Happy holidays, Johnny Horrorheads. It's me, your old pal, Johnny Horror, here to introduce yet another episode of the Johnny Horror Podcast. This time around, we did things a little bit differently. Kaylin and I got together to discuss 10 of our favorite comfort horror movies. During the holidays, things can get a little bit bleak. People get depressed, anxious, stressed out. And I think we could all agree that a little bit of comfort goes a long way. So sit back, Relax, pour yourself a glass of eggnog or a good old-fashioned Jack Daniels on the rocks, light up a bowl, get some snacks, and enjoy this very lengthy and hopefully somewhat engaging discussion of some of the Johnny Horror Podcast's favorite scary movies. Welcome back to the Johnny Horror Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Horror, and tonight we have a very special episode. Um, joining me once again is my, well, I, I think it's safe to say your fucking co-host at this point, uh, yeah, co-host of the Johnny Horror Podcast, Kalen Behrman. How are you, sir? Good, brother. Good, man. Uh, happy to have you on. Uh, this is going to be hopefully the first of a number of these episodes. So um, I'm glad that uh, you uh, get to be my guinea pig for all intents and purposes. See how this goes. Uh, kind of a different style of episode tonight, gang. Uh, instead of discussing a film, we are discussing multiple films. Uh, we're talking about comfort horror tonight and we have collectively 10 movies to discuss between Kalen and myself we each have five movies that we find comforting in some way shape or form um and we will be discussing all of those things uh part of the reason that I wanted to do this episode is because November is a weird period of like we just got out of Halloween. We're going into Christmas time, but we're we're not quite there yet. It's kind of we live in Southern California where it's pretty much warm most of the year and oddly enough September and October are uh, some of the hottest months mm -hmm. where we live. So um, we had a pretty spicy Halloween. I think it was like 83 degrees or something like that at the, the hottest point during the day. Yep. Um, thankfully, it cooled off in the evening. <clears throat> but all that said, November's when it starts to get cold around here. Um and there's not a ton of Thanksgiving-related horror content, though there is more than I think a lot of people realize. And I've made it a point 
myself to try and discuss some of those films over on the Johnny Horror Reviews. Uh, and this year we actually have a movie titled Thanksgiving. And it's about a slasher uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, directed by Eli Roth. As of this recording, it comes out tomorrow, and I'll be seeing it. So very excited about that. You let but, me know how that goes. Yeah, I will. I'll be posting a review. So, um, and that will probably be out. The review for that will be out before this episode will. So it's a little bit. So of a- the audience already knows if it's a good movie or not. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but all of that said, November is like a weird time of like, I am, I have a Halloween hangover. I'm a little bit depressed. I'm looking for comfort food, something to, to make me feel better about like my favorite time of the year is over, even though Christmas probably second favorite uh, Christmas time is the second favorite time of the year. So it's just this little weird gap of like trying to fight depression and uh yeah. oddly enough i usually get sick right about this time and i'm currently sick right now so uh i apologize for any throat clearing if you hear a uh rustling of uh cough drops being injected into my body uh <laughs> I apologize for that as well. I'm a little bit nasally. Um, all that taken into account, I want comfort during this time of the year, I think. And uh, the very long tangent to explain why we're doing this episode. But, you know, uh, oddly enough, I feel like your average person wouldn't associate horror films with comfort. Um, but oh, yeah. uh, particularly on my Instagram feed, there's just dozens and dozens of posts a day about like someone's favorite horror movie that makes them feel good or something that they throw on before they go to sleep, helps them sleep. Um, the internet defines comfort horror as a kind of mental training or exposure therapy for people who have various forms of stress or anxiety. Uh, Fans of horror seek out these stories to de-stress, to regulate their emotions, and even to meditate and sleep. So, I think for a lot of the uninitiated, this is a weird concept, the idea of blood and guts and people being harmed. But for fans of the genre, it's, you know, how we kind of manage, like, our everyday fears and things that are really scary, you know, not like xenomorphs being, right. you know, birthed out of your chest and... Mm-hmm giant man-eating sharks coming to get you things that are like legitimately uh terrifying so we seek out these these things to make us forget the the real life uh terrors um 
So with all of that said, there's not going to be any real format to this. Kalen and I are just going to do a tit for tat. He's going to talk about a movie. I'm going to talk about a movie. Um, I don't think there's any real order, but we did both agree off mic to save our our like ultimate um, comfort film for the last round. So without any further ado, I think we should just jump on into it since I'm rambling like a motherfucker over here. <laughs> um, Kalen, why don't you start out with one of your favorite comfort horror movies? Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> Johnny knows maybe some of the audience has figured it out by now, but I, um, I really think that we're living in a... a pretty golden age of horror. And I think that we have gotten some really excellent, um, high level horror movies. I think we have some, some up and coming filmmakers who are really pushing hard, um, pushing boundaries and, and, uh, putting in a lot of work into making, um, into making really great horror movies. Um, not that that hasn't happened in the past, obviously it has, but, um, it's a really popular time for that right now. And my first movie on my list is a little flick called The Lighthouse. <laughs> uh, the Lighthouse, written by, co-written by Robert Eggers, directed by Robert Eggers, and starring the great Willem Dafoe with Robert Pattinson. Uh, this movie was released in October of 2019, and uh, it stars uh, what well, is the story of two lighthouse keepers on an island. Um, in isolation, uh, sort of slowly uh, going mad. Um, yeah, and that's the pitch. That is the pitch. Um, Johnny, you were uh, you were a pretty big fan of this movie, right? Uh, it was a movie that I like fell in love with as soon as I got past the aspect ratio. At first, I thought <laughs> I had purchased something incorrect or that mm -hmm. I fucked up. I I had to go online, like pause, and had to go online, make sure that this is the way it was supposed to be. Um, and then when I realized that that was like essentially the the size of the the frame that would have mm -hmm. been you know used at that time, I was like, oh god, that's that's some gimmicky shit right there for sure. But I'm here for it. Uh, I mean, I'm so here for that. I loved that. I felt like I was watching something from 1922. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I loved, loved the movie. It was uh, a movie that I watched the first time with my wife. And she looked at me about halfway through and was like, this is definitely a you and Brian sort of movie. So probably about a week <laughs> later, I had Brian over and we got really drunk and watched it. And it was even mm -hmm. for the second time. And when I was going through making my list it was one that popped out probably you know a good runner-up we'll we'll make uh one of my my comfort horror lists you know sometime in the future i'm sure yeah but, uh yeah i can i can definitely see what you're getting at but please elaborate um so the movie is shot in an old school aspect ratio um it's shot in black and white and it very much um it looks like um like the 1922 Nosferatu kind of like, it looks like you're watching a, a lost film from, from 1918 or something like that. 
Um, and it is just a, it's an amazing movie. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's so well shot. It's so well blocked. It's so well performed, um, by these two fucking masters. And like Pattinson's still a young actor, but I already think he's kind of a master. Yeah. And Defoe is like a straight up walks on water kind of actor to me. Yeah. Like that man can do anything. He's a force of nature. He's a national treasure. Um, I think he's just, he's just a God on screen. And Pattinson keeps up with him, and it's a it's it's a story that's difficult to describe because it is um, a lot of it is happening in subtext. A lot of it is happening um, between the lines. A lot of it's kind of like what's not being said. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, as the two men sort of slow, very slowly, like it, it it moves at a slow pace, but it does it very confidently. It's like you're gonna pay attention because this shit's interesting. But it moves at a slow pace and they very slowly descend into madness. And it's a movie about um, like power dynamics and sanity and guilt and um, loneliness and horniness. And um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it is it is kind of an out there movie. It's not for everybody, Mm-mm. but for the people who who let it do what it's doing for the people who buy in and they play the game that this movie is playing. I think those people love the movie. And I, I genuinely think it's like a, like a 10 out of 10 type of movie, like a, like a cinematic masterpiece um, of a film. One of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Uh, I agree with all of that. It, uh, it's actually a movie I haven't watched in a minute. And I know I'm due for to watch, um, but it, like when I watched it, I, I I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and it's it's so well crafted, like you say, everything. Uh, Robert Edgar's is his attention to detail is um, impeccable. Uh, it's fucking mind boggling, is what mm-hmm. it is, and how. He, he how that man works is just so intricate and detailed and uh he's working on kubrick levels of yep. uh perfection so uh it's really everything that you see from top to bottom in that film with the exception of the performances is just Edgar's like vision, his craft, you know, mm-hmm. obviously um, Pattinson and Defoe bring their, their a game and, you know, they were like the, the levels of things that they did. Like, I think Defoe pretty much kept to himself mostly. Um, and well, they were saying at the end of each day shooting, everyone just really needed to go home. Yeah. Because it was just a hard shoot. So yeah. everyone just needed to go home and sleep because it was it, every day was like a very hard day. And Pattinson was making himself throw up and shit like that before before takes. Uh, he was putting he was putting rocks into his shoes uh-huh. so he'd be more uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. He there were scenes where they were making him lug the um. They're making him lug drums up the stairs. Yeah. And Eggers wanted him to be very, very tired. 
but um, he's in really good physical shape. So that wasn't making him tired. So Eggers was asking him to just pick the shit up and spin around in a circle with it until he was dizzy and exhausted and miserable and then get the shot of him dragging it up the stairs. And Pattinson was like, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's the kind of guys you had making this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, what about this movie do you find comforting? Oh, the well, the um, probably the uh, aforementioned aspect ratio and and um, and the coloration. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I don't know, man. The the performances, the accents, the the mood, the vibe. Yeah. I think I think with a lot of comfort horror movies, a lot of it is vibe. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I think there's this is something I talked about in um, my latest review of the 1981 horror classic Madman. Uh, <laughs> uh, that there's um, a really cool balance of like when you're indoors it feels like cozy um and there's like warm fireplace and they use like really warm lighting and everything and when you're outside you can just feel the the chill in the air everyone's like bundled up and there's always like a, a wind blowing and just that dynamic of like it's cold cool and crisp and scary outside but like warm and cozy and safe inside i think that in and of itself if you can manage that um that feeling in a film that can bring comfort just the idea of like oh i'm cozy and safe indoors and i think at particularly at the start of this film, you can kind of feel that eventually the madness, you know, makes its way inside as well. And, you know, that their little shack and everything is destroyed and whatnot. But there is this sense of like, it's windy, cold and rainy outside. But in here we have this little lamp and, you know, we have our, our, our booze that we're drinking and, you know, we're, you know, eating lobster and it's got this <laughs> kind of cozy feel. And I like that time period a lot too. And the idea of like old tiny sailors is just mm-hmm. cool to me, their whole vibe, their costumes and everything. It's a, a weird, you know, t- to say how like a time period can be comforting, but um, I, I feel like at least for my my part when I think of that movie and how it could bring comfort to me, it's kind of in, in that vein. Um, uh, well, I guess I will follow it up with, uh, my first pick. It's a little film called Bubba Hotep. It is a mummy movie that stars Bruce Campbell uh, as he is playing Elvis Presley in a nursing home. Okay. Um, and the story basically picks up with 
Elvis in a nursing home, everyone thinks that he is an Elvis impersonator, but he explains through narration that he found the best Elvis impersonator out there and switched places with him so he could be live a normal life. And the Elvis impersonator was the one who died. Oh. And he ended up in this nursing home. And eventually, this nursing home ends up having a mummy problem. And this mummy comes to life and is sustaining life by sucking the souls out of the elderly in the old oh. home. And he sucks the souls through their buttholes. <laughs> um, it's a really, really great horror comedy. Um, Bruce Campbell as Elvis is honestly like it might be better than him. Like for me personally, it might be a better performance than him as Ash Williams. Like I, he's a perfect perfect elvis just like so good so you're like hey austin butler get uh, out of the yeah. way <laughs> yeah bruce campbell's got you beat he does he does i'm sorry uh yeah. <laughs> he plays just the character is so likable you immediately you know feel empathy for elvis <clears throat> in this state that he's in it's a very <clears throat> slow burn there's not a lot of action in it as you can imagine it takes place in an old, old folks home you know so mm -hmm. um but it's really freaking funny it, it's this i kind of it kind of i kind of stumbled into it being a comfort horror movie like last year i think when it was a movie that i started watching late one night and i was just in our guest bedroom, which is like our, our horror bedroom where we have like all of our movies and merchandise and whatnot. And I just fell asleep watching it. And then over the course of like the next week and a half would just kind of rewind it a bit to the last thing I remembered. And I would watch it for a little bit, fall asleep. And same thing mm -hmm. every night until I finished it. And it just kind of really settled into like oh man this this movie just makes me feel happy and and comforted and it also has like a really really kick-ass score by tyler bates um just like a beautiful like guitar and um i don't know it's just it's easy horror there's like one kind of creepy scene where um bubba hotep like <laughs> he calls he Elvis calls the mummy Bubba Hotep because uh, Hotep is something like a, a prince or something like that, I think, in, in Egyptian times. And, you know, he, he just, his expression of Bubba, you know, Elvis being a, a southern boy and whatnot. Sure. But, hey, Bubba. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one scene where it's like a strobe light and you see him kind of like walking through the hallway and hallway horror is always been creepy to me you know uh a movie i'll i'll talk about a little later has a very creepy hallway scene and um the nun 
uh, in The Conjuring 2, that hallway scene I know I've talked about before, about hallway horrors always been creepy to me so anything having to do with hallways uh will get me so that's the only like kind of creepy moment in the movie the rest of it is just kind of like you know silly kind of so it's not really it's not a super scary movie per se no by no means like i said there's a couple like like mystery sort of like what's going on here things Mm -hmm. and he has uh he has a, a friend uh, who claims to be Jack Kennedy. Um, of course, he claims to be Jack Kennedy, but he's a African-American, so that <laughs> lends itself to all sorts of fun conversations. Fun hijinks. Okay. It's a really, really fun movie. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. Just if for nothing else to see Bruce Campbell as, as Elvis. It's just sure. so much fun. Um, directed by the guy who did the uh, uh, Phantasm series, so okay, it's definitely a a wild one off the beaten path, but worth checking out for sure. Uh, what's next on your list? Um, my next movie is uh, a little known and little talked about and hardly influential film called uh, Halloween (laughs) (laughs) that uh, was released in 1978 and is directed by John Carpenter with music by John Carpenter. Wait, who's that guy anyways? Um, He's some dude. He did a couple movies. They were okay. No, I know. I know. I, he really likes basketball, doesn't he? Yeah, so if you ask him <laughs> about movies now, he just says, I just want to play video games and watch basketball. Leave me the fuck alone. And I'm like, I feel that. I feel that energy in a big way. Um, <laughs> you actually do. <laughs> I do. I, 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 when he life. says that, I very strongly relate. I'm like, I get it, John Carpenter. I'm like, you, you know, live your, your best life, King. Um, so Halloween is obviously a classic. It's super influential. It's a movie that everybody loves. Um and I'm not exactly being original here, but, um, you know, when you asked me my comfort movies, I was ju- I wasn't thinking, I was thinking what horror movies do I put on frequently for comfort, right? Regardless of, of wherever they stand in the horror canon. And this is just a movie I watch a lot. This is just a movie I watch a lot. I watch it, um, with my girlfriend a lot. She always wants to put it on, um, and it's just a movie we love to watch and we love to rewatch. Um, uh, it's funny, actually. She, um, This is a slight sidebar, but she watched that movie with me for the first time. Oh, wow. And she didn't want to, but she didn't want to tell me that. She didn't want to be mean, so she watched it with me. But she had only seen Halloween 2000 what, – what year was it? 07 that um, – Zombie? Rob Zombie made his – yeah. Okay. She had only seen Rob Zombie's Halloween. So she assumed that the whole franchise was shit and none of it was worth watching. <laughs> so I told her I wanted to watch Halloween 1978 and she gave it a try like, oh God, this is going to be terrible. And then she saw for the first time Halloween 1978 and was like, oh shit. Like, that's a fucking banger. Um, and you know, this this was a movie that um, despite being the kind of slasher that's usually critically panned, had, uh, you know, Siskel and Ebert raving raving about it you know what i mean it was a a very well-received influential movie anyway 
Um, it's a simple story, obviously, about a crazy little boy who murders his sister, uh, goes off to uh, a, a mental health facility, escapes, uh, goes back to his hometown nearby, and uh, wreaks havoc on a group of teenage kids. It's the quintessential slasher movie. It's sort of, in a way, not really the original slasher horror movie. In many ways, it was the template for the the slasher genre going forward. Um, I know this is obviously a movie you love. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, I thought about it because it is... <clears throat> I guess I should have done a little bit of more explaining as to... As, to what and how, like maybe you and I define comfort mm-hmm. horror movies. Um, sure. I think there are there are different ways a horror movie can be comforting. It can be like, hey, we just love watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and e- even if it's like it's scary, like mm-hmm. it's actually a scary movie, but right. we, just, we just love watching it. Or it can be like Bubba Hotep, where it's pretty fucking harmless, and mm. it's just something that you know brings you joy, um, genuine joy. So I think there are different ways to view horror, and I do find Halloween comforting in a sense. Um, I only watch it once a year and it's usually at the start of Halloween season. Um, I, I know a lot of people wait until like the end of Halloween season to watch it, but I'm like, dude, like I need that to be my jumping off point so I can watch all fucking 15 different directions that the timeline goes. Um, <laughs> right. That's uh, right. So in that, in that regard, it is a movie. I always look forward to watching. Of course I, I like, fucking love like it's my favorite it is my favorite horror franchise the Halloween right. franchise i love it mm-hmm. um there's a ho- only one movie that i just fucking hate in that franchise and it's resurrection okay but uh, all the other ones i can even even ones that are not good i can find reasons to love them mm-hmm. so uh it does hold a very very special place in my heart that being said uh is scary to me. Still. It's scary. And, it's a scary movie. Yeah, in a way, it's a scary, like, like it's a scary movie. Yeah, just that that trek that Laurie makes from um, uh, one house to the other, just and the music's playing and the wind is blowing mm-hmm. like that. To me, is Halloween, and it's just creepy and scary, and it kind of like gives me this feeling of like terror. Yeah. Um, so for you, is it a movie that like you genuinely find comforting or is it like, man, we just, I just love having this on. I just like love hearing the music. I just love being in that world. Well, that, that is what's comforting for me. Yeah. So like, I don't really have cozy movies. Okay. I just, I just have movies that make me feel good. Now, some movies are like, there are movies that are like very challenging that I may like, but are too challenging to be like comforting movies. So like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. 
I don't know. I'm not putting on Killers of the Flower Moon for comfort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was it good? I haven't seen it yet. It's yeah, man. It's really good. You know, it's 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 Martin Scorsese telling a a a, a really interesting and sad true story. Yeah. Um, and it's a very very good picture. But it's not something I would ever watch to feel better about anything, you know? Uh, a movie like that. My example of that would be The Exorcist. Like, okay. The Exorcist, it's one of my all time favorite horror films, but it's not, it's not a movie I watch lightly. It's not exactly. like, oh, I'm going to throw this on in the background and it's exactly. going to play. Like, no, I'm invested and I got to be in the right mood to, to do that dance, you know? 100%. Um, so for Halloween, I, while I, I agree that it's a scary movie, I don't need to be in that place. I could just put that on it and be happy there. And it, it is kind of a happy place for me. Um, Michael Myers is 100% a happy place villain for me. Like there's something about walking, watching – like I told you, like when we did our, our, our conversation about Halloween Kills, I remember saying like a movie that just involves Michael Myers walking around to that music – like yeah. that alone kind of gets me. It kind of, that kind of just brings me happiness on its own. Um, and, you know, this is just, it's, it's one of those movies where you can just, you can watch it at a distance. You can watch it in the background and enjoy the vibe. Yeah. Or you can watch it a little bit closer and appreciate the craftsmanship. And I think either way, it's something that you should come away happy from. You know what I mean? Something you should come away and go, you know, that was really good and, and really satisfying as a movie. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's like for me, because it is essentially an annual watch, like I just watch it, really just watch it the one one time a year. It's kind of falls into the the Jaws category of like, yeah. we have a specific time. We, we watch this movie because I'm fucking OCD and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, when is it that you watch Jaws? Uh, Jaws, I typically watch on its anniversary or somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Though a lot of people do the the Fourth of July watch because it mm-hmm. takes place over Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. Um, but I usually uh, <clears throat> celebrate the the anniversary because uh, the day Jaws was released is uh, more important to me than Independence Day. What can I say? That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> but. Uh, like that franchise as a whole brings me comfort. I agree. I love being in that world. It is like, I love being in that world during Halloween time. It doesn't quite feel the, doesn't give me the same feels and vibes. If I were to watch it outside of like my house being decorated and like pumpkin candles being lit and shit like that. So, um, I totally see where you're coming from. We're just, we're we're going the same direction. We're just in different cars. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um. Well, I feel like this is a good seg into our our next in into my next pick here because uh, uh, this film is very much paying homage to all the slashers that came before it. Um, Scream. Yep. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is. Um, I had another movie uh, on here, and I like had a revelation last night of like, why is Scream not on my list? Because it is one of my all-time 
like comfort horror movies. It's one of the horror movies that I probably watched more than most others. Like I, I just watch it all the time. Um, basically, uh, same sort of setup, like a killer starts hacking teenagers in a small town. And, um, uh, unlike all the slashers that came before it though, the kids in this movie are aware of all the movie tropes. Yeah. And that's what makes Scream so much fun is that they're making references to other films. They're smart about, hey, don't go, you know, don't say hello. You know, when you hear strange noise, don't go open the door, you know. Don't say I'll be right back. Don't say I'll be right back. Because you uh, won't be back. Because you won't be. Um, and it's very smart. And how it subverts the horror tropes and how it plays into the horror tropes. And it's very funny. Um, and this was one of the first horror movies I saw. Probably like in like my first like five to ten. Okay. Uh, if I remember correctly, I got scream one and two from the video store the third one had been rented out so i was very upset about that that i couldn't do all three in one go uh i would later find out that that was probably a blessing in disguise um but the movie i grabbed instead uh of scream three was halloween so i watched Halloween for the first time and Scream and Scream 2 all within like the same weekend. So it was nice. a very educational period of time for me. Yeah. Um, what I, I don't know like what I can say, just like everything from this movie top to bottom is awesome. It's scary, but not scary. Like the opening scene is <clears throat> legitimately scary but it's got such great characters there um there's always something new whenever i watch it there's just always some reference I'm like oh dude i i have never gotten that one before and it's only through like living life and watching movies and like understanding more pop culture that i get that reference now um it's just so funny and fun in ways that like a lot of horror movies particularly a lot of slashers are not because a lot of slashers you just like you just kill all these motherfuckers already <laughs> and in scream you don't want anyone to die and you don't want anyone to be the killer because you're like oh god i really like that person and now they're the they're the bad guy um yeah, it's, it's a good it's a good satire and it's a good mystery. God. It does both those things super well. Uh, what was it like the first time you saw Scream? Did you just well, have bro? I, what what year did Scream come out? It came out in '96. Okay, so that's how old I was. You were six. I went and saw Scream no, in the theaters. I wasn't six. Yeah, you would have been. I, you you would have been like eight. Yeah, like eight. Uh huh. 
Yeah. So I was like eight years old when Scream came out. So I was not old enough to be watching it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I mean, I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of too scary. Um, I, I liked it. Like how, you know, forever, for whatever I understood as a kid, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I will say that it's a movie that as I, as I grew up, I liked it more. <clears throat> as I understood not just horror better, like what horror it's, it's sort of referencing and, and satirizing, but also yeah. as I just understood like film better. It's a movie that I liked more and more. And I actually, this was another one that I watched for the first time with my girlfriend. And I hadn't seen it in quite some time. And um, I was really happy with, you know, seeing it for the first time in a long time. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a classic. And, uh, yeah, she liked it a lot. I think it's got it's got a great, like, there's almost like a little bit of a noir thing going on yeah. with, with the mystery. Absolutely. And then there's a fun sort of, a sort of, pastiche of of the former a very self-aware pastiche of the former slasher films before it and it's kind of doing both those things at the same time and it makes for a very fun unique little movie a unique little movie that has quite the healthy ip these days as well yeah. oh yeah, yeah definitely i feel like even people who don't like horror movies like scream or they like Ghostface, you know i see ghost you see Ghostface uh merchandise all over the place dude that's true mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i was i just remember being like mm -hmm. loving that billy loomis was the killer and also like being heartbroken because i was like oh man he was so cool Quirky's <laughs> insane and then the fact that there are two killers, like that was just, again, I hadn't had much of a horror education, so I don't, I don't think I was aware of really how cool that was, but it was still really cool to me um, when, when that reveal happens. But yeah, this, this is just a movie that I, I kind of along the same lines as like Halloween for you, like it's, if it's on, I'll sit down and watch it, you know, or if I haven't watched it in like six months, I'll be like, wow, I haven't watched Scream in a minute. Let's throw that on. Let's do a Scream. Let's do a Scream uh, marathon. It's uh, particularly those first two films that that's just a world I, I would love to be a part of, you know, and hopefully not die. Right. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say this, buddy, but either we'd be the killer or we'd be dead. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. And yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think any, I don't think yeah none of the killers survive any of the movies. They all die. Mm -hmm. Too bad. Uh, what uh, what's next on your list, there, pal? All right. I got a weird one. Mm -hmm. Um, probably not a movie that most people would consider a comforting movie at all but um the uh the original Candyman. Ooh. yeah yeah no that that movie is fucking terrifying actually. it's fucked up and scary yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really depressing too with like with like very very tough like um and honest social commentary yes and um and it's gruesome and um yeah like you said depressing um 
I don't know how to explain it. Um, when Candyman came out, I was too little to watch it. Yeah. And I remember being fucking terrified of the trailers on TV. Like they would just play, you know, like the TV spot, like 30 second trailers. The Candyman trailers scared the piss out of me when I was a little boy. And, um, <laughs> and, um, geez. And, uh, so yeah, when I watched it as an adult, I loved it because it was this, it's whip smart. Like it's, a, it's smart as hell. It's, it's self-aware it's so it's god it's so interesting it's such an anomaly of its time because it's it's this very intelligent very political movie that is it's 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 talking about society in a way that you hear people talk about society now but you didn't really hear people talking about society that way in 1993 you didn't see a lot of there wasn't a lot of um love and empathy in America for poor black people at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there, there wasn't, there was a lot of villainization and there was a lot of venom spewed their way. Like Reagan built a, not to get political here, guys, I'm sorry, but built an entire, you know, political identity on the demonization of the, the welfare queen. Right. And so this movie takes you through the lens of a wealthy white woman into the home of the, um, the struggling black American with sincerity and um, earnestness. And it does that in a fucking terrifying slasher movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? And everything, everything about this says, okay, well, that's not, that doesn't sound like a comfort movie, Kalen. But um, I don't know, man, for me, it really is for me. Like, I, I love that. Like, that's a movie. Is there a movie that, like, every time you watch it, it surprises you? I mean, like, every time you watch it, you, you like, there's things that you forgot about and things that just make you happier than you expected. And, like, every time you, you come away from that movie with a smile. Uh, I mean, there definitely is. I can't, you know, pinpoint it right now because my right thick ass brain isn't <laughs> sure working properly. But yeah, I know but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That's Candyman for me. Like every time I watch Candyman, I'm surprised by how much I like Candyman. And there's something about Tony Todd's voice and the music in that movie that has that Halloween effect, you know? Yeah. Man. Uh, Yeah. The score by Philip Glass is one of the most haunting yet like beautiful and soothing horror scores um we always like celeste has a version of it as an alarm i have a version i think it was the version from the uh the uh reboot or the 2021 that that i actually thought was pretty fucking excellent as well i like that too Mm -hmm. um but the the music in that film is it's fantastic uh, just honestly like Candyman is an incredible movie that score is <laughs> it just doesn't seem like it should be in that movie just because mm-hmm. it has just such an elegance and a beauty to it but it mm-hmm. it's it's perfect for it right it's exactly for it exactly that's uh, it and 
Tony Todd is so scary and just his presence just his presence is so intimidating and this kind of goes back to what i was talking about with hallway horror um his introduction in the um parking structure where you just see him far away Mm -hmm. just gives me the chills right now thinking about it Uh it is is a very very scary movie. I have no idea how it brings you comfort in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, bro. It just uh, that movie makes me happy. Um yeah, the dude, this like every time he shows up, like and there's nothing inherently like scary about the man. I know. It's all like his presence is it's how um how it's filmed and everything too uh just like the scene where he kills her best friend in the apartment is scary as hell when he shows up and kills the uh psychiatrist in the office and then like fucking launches out the window yes yes just like scary fucking shit that like you don't really see Nope. In, in like any other horror movie. You, you didn't see it then and you don't see it now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very, very original. I mean, it's Clive Barker. It's his story, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clive Barker, as uh, our man Stephen King once said, is the future of horror. So, um, yeah, I, I love Candyman and it's... A, terribly scary movie so i i you know i admire i get it though like there's there's no there's no there doesn't need to be a justification there doesn't need to be really an explanation beyond the fact that like you just love the movie right and probably uh it the idea of it scaring you as a kid actually probably plays a big factor in that because you own it now it's it's yep. something that's personal to you mm-hmm. and your life experience so that's actually really cool um well my next one is uh a fucking joke compared to yours but um it's one of my Wait, i just all- I just really quickly, I want to tell you, I told Sandy this was going to happen. <laughs> I was going to be going like Halloween and Candyman, and you'd be like Bruce Campbell movie where a ghost sucks old people's life force out of their buttholes. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, well, I got it's good juxtaposition. Buddy, I like it. My next one is another Bruce Campbell movie. <laughs> uh, Army of Darkness. Uh, yes. Which is probably yeah no it's my favorite horror comedy of all time like oh okay i just love it so 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 much um and watched it like would fall asleep to it religiously for for months on end um god it's just so good uh so for those who you don't know uh ash goes up to a cabin in the woods with his friends all of his friends get possessed by evil demons when he fucks around with a book um 
and that book eventually sends him back in time to uh, the Dark Ages, and he has to fight the evil dead um, in medieval times. And for a franchise that started out as just pure, pure terror, the original uh, Evil Dead, um, which was a contender for comfort horror, my comfort horror list, but... Um, the, the first one. Uh, yeah, the original. Because yeah. um, I threw that on this year uh, at Halloween time, and I just, I was, again, like, so in the just that world and i've just for as creepy as that movie is i was oddly comforted by it but yeah that movie's fucking scary uh <laughs> that's, a fuck, that's, that's a fucking scary movie yeah yeah um but army of darkness had to win out and i couldn't have three bruce campbell movies on my list i just wasn't <laughs> gonna let it happen that's right uh, it was close though um but yeah, for a franchise that started out as scary as it is, for by the time we get to the the third film, and it is just fucking slapstick comedy from start to finish, I constantly laugh. There's a scene where he it is has to pick between three different Necronomicons, and only one of them is the right Necronomicon, and he has to say the appropriate words to pick up the book and. He does all of them up until the last word, and he can't get the last word right. And then he kind of like flubs it, like under his breath, and takes the book. And of course, everything goes to shit. Skeletons start popping up out of the ground, and there's this just absolutely hilarious scene that ensues where you just see skeleton hands like punching him in the face and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to like block him and dodge him and he does this and like it stops right here and then <laughs> it comes at him again and he does it again, but this time it's two different fingers and it gets him in the eyes. And, yeah. Oh God. Uh, and then there's my, my probably my favorite shot in the whole movie is he, you see him get this terrified look at his face. He goes, Oh, Oh. And then all these skeletons just punch him all at once. It's, it's so good. It's so funny. Um, I I don't know if anybody's listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Army of Darkness. Like, yeah. stop what you're doing right now and go do yourself a favor. It's just so much fun. Um, and there's some good like stuff that plays into the original with the deadites and everything they're all pretty hokey and over the top but it's all just it's such a blast and bruce campbell is in prime ash williams mode like it's the best version of ash as far as i'm concerned um yeah i it's and it's like fucking an hour and 20 minutes long yep. it is yep. the easiest watch it's yep. so easy um yeah that just ultimate like so much comfort uh because it can i can still be like hey i'm have watching this horror movie uh that just i laugh my ass off the entire time and there there's it is a horror movie because there is like a fucking geyser of blood that shoots up at some point and 
there's fucking skeletons walking around and there's like old hags and flying demons and shit so i mean it is it is a proper horror picture yeah. in its own way so well, it's it's so wild how that trilogy <laughs> like if you didn't watch the middle movie and you just watched the first yeah. one and the last one you'd be like what the fuck because there's <laughs> it, it, it shifts so far from from one to three you know so i don't remember how i figured it out but I know I've told this story before about how I used to like when I was a teenager, I would like go with my mom to like Walmart and she would go off to do her shopping and I would either end up in the magazine section checking out Maxim or uh, I would end up in the movie section looking at uh, the horror movie boxes and one of the ones that scared the piss out of me for weeks was the Evil Dead box. And that was just a box. Uh, yeah. You see, like, fucking Cheryl, like, popping out from underneath the cellar. And mm -hmm. just that image alone just scared the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. um, but somehow, I had I had not seen the movie. I had not seen Evil Dead. But somehow, I was over at a buddy's house. And Army of Darkness was playing. Yeah. And I didn't really watch it i just kind of like tuned in here and there but like i could tell that it was cheesy mm -hmm. and somehow i found out that it was in the same um collection of movies as evil dead mm. and i was like i don't understand because that other movie looked scary as hell and this is really cheesy i don't get how they're connected yeah. so yeah if you don't watch evil dead 2 and see what is a very good blend of the two right to get from point a to point b right um, it's it's a hard turn for sure it's quite a turn yeah <laughs> so i actually that was that was my first one of the trilogy too oh wow yeah because i watched it, it it was on tv when i was a kid yeah so i just like randomly watched it on tv one day with no context yeah that um how, like how was that like is it just was it was it just as much fun or were you kind of pulled out of it like no I, no I liked it a lot I had fun with the whole thing so you know you gotta keep in mind I was probably like uh 10 11 years old and this movie comes on TV and you know it's just Bruce Campbell and there's he you know he's holding a shotgun and there's you know there's there's knights and people surrounding him and he's like listen I don't belong here and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, like, I'm interested in this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it, it totally it totally had my attention, and I, I enjoyed it, yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. This is my boomstick. This is my boomstick. That's right. <laughs> Groovy. Uh, uh, groovy. Um, yeah, what, uh, what's your next one, then? Well... My next one is uh, was a contender for my top spot and is really, really up there in my comfort movies, period. Um, and my favorite movies, period. And that is uh, 1982 uh, Poltergeist, a Toby Hooper film uh, written and produced and co-directed by Spielberg. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
this movie is one of my it's one of my ultra, ultimate comfort movies period it's one of my ultimate horror movies period and it's one of my best like movies period uh, i love this flick um it's one of those movies that has so much going for it it's hard to even talk about why i like it because it's like what there's a million things happening and pick one that you don't like you know what i mean yeah um it's just an amazing cast brilliant performances um i think one of the first thing that's first things that stands out to me is the couple um in the movie and their chemistry and how they seem like a real life married couple yeah um their kids who are who are just done like so well and 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 like everything about the cast is perfect um the vfx and lack thereof are amazing uh it's scary the script is just the story is just it's brilliant you know yeah um it it's and it's also like it's also like it's almost the only not quite the only but it's almost the only like during that period of sort of spielbergian magic where yeah. we had like everything from close encounters of the it's very much the the spielberg of close encounters and the spielberg of et doing horror yeah it's uh yeah. It's, it's a it's an amblin you know it's amblin yeah. you know it's 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 amblin doing horror for real yeah and not not like doing it halfway or doing it cute it's it's an it's an amblin movie really doing horror and i think that's just it's just such a special juxtaposition and there's because there's scenes in that movie too that that you might think that like something very hopeful is happening like Dude, the scene where the little girl slides across the floor. Yeah. That's fucking incredible. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you can see a scene like that in a in a much more hopeful Spielberg movie. Yeah. Or or Amblin movie. But here they they put that in this what turns out to be a really terrifying tale. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um God, man, it's 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 yeah, man. It's it's such a scary movie. It's such a dope movie. Um, I think it is head and shoulders above a lot of what was happening at that time. And I think it's head and shoulders above a lot of what's happening now, you know? Oh yeah. Just, just a, a real special kind of movie to me. Yeah. I, there's, there's a lot to, I don't know, to find comforting in that movie, even with all the absolutely terrifying shit going on yeah um the family dynamic is one of like genuine like love mm -hmm. like it's it's just a perfect uh unit and it's like all the more sad by all the tragedy surrounding that right that film and that cast um but oh yeah uh the spielbergian quality to it just like making mm -hmm. suburbia look ideal mm -hmm. you know um and beautiful and and fun and kids riding around on their bikes there there's like like i'm like this far removed from that like had i been born like 
10 years earlier, like I would have been privy to that sort of life. Like the same thing with you. Like mm-hmm. we, I, I, maybe you got a little bit of that. I don't know, but by the time mm-hmm. like I was riding my bikes and stuff like that, it was like you, you had to be home before it was, before it was dark out. Oh yeah. 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 Couldn't mm-hmm. stray too far away from home because all that shit was, mm-hmm. it was not safe anymore. Um, if it ever was safe, you know, that, right. that sort of thing. But there is like a, a peaceful, like comforting vibe that those Spielberg movies have from that time period for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously you mentioned E.T. and E.T. I feel like is the the flip side of the coin, mm-hmm. you know, where Poltergeist, you know, while it does have a happy ending, um, is a very, very dark movie. And E.T. is a very similar sort of setup and vibe, mm-hmm. just a lot happier um, and a lot more fun in a different way you know a lot more lighthearted fun as opposed to like ah some fucking monsters and shit <laughs> um the face peeling scene is just absolutely dude it's terrifying it's so, terrifying like watching that when you're like dude and you got to keep in mind i was watching that movie and i was like eight years old damn how did uh did the the clown scene scare you too hell yeah hell yeah dude okay you have to understand that man that like that was amongst parents like you know like not like yours um that was seen as like kid-friendly horror at that time it was, PG. It, was PG. it was a pg movie exactly so like i watched that i was like eight that movie's scary as fuck yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like there's there's the tree eating like the kid scene yeah fucked me up dude the clown the skeletons the face melting i mean all of that got me big time did uh did you have to like go sleep in your parents room or, or any of that shit i mean yeah <laughs> also i think i was afraid of static tv for a little while i'm still afraid of static tv man there you go <laughs> there you go man <laughs> so it did its job right. um i i also think like um i i think that the the husband and wife in that movie have like that's some of the best on-screen married couple chemistry i've ever seen in any film ever and um just like i think that's like a a noteworthy aspect of the film and it's funny you you mentioned et i believe that et and um poltergeist both spun out of the same original concept like uh, um, came up with a, a treatment i think he called it like dark skies or something like that yeah and then eventually that turned into both E.T. and Poltergeist. Yeah, that is, it's roughly something along those lines. Because originally Poltergeist was uh, an alien sort mm-hmm. of movie that eventually became a haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there there is like, there's even like sketches and stuff like that for the original like alien designs that I I might be misconstruing this, but I think would later be developed into what 
Um, I think what the the original Predator design looked like, the one that that uh, that wasn't used, the one that wasn't used that um, what's his name was uh, suited up in. Uh, why can't I think of uh, why can't I think of his name? Uh, Who Fox. in the original Predator? Uh, Jean uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, like the the original suit he was gonna wear. But they ended up axing and going with our classic predator look, right? So yeah, sorry, that's a very long-winded way of saying that I think that design that they uh -huh. had for what was the original concept for poltergeist and everything, that alien design ended up being used for um for predator. For predator and then eventually scrap, I think. Don't Hollywood used to be so cool. <laughs> Don't. That's cool. There, there's uh I mean Yes and no. I think there's a lot more shady <laughs> shit being done that we just don't know about because people can get away with shit back then. I mean, uh, of, of course. Um, speaking of, that's actually a really good segue to my next one, which is uh, oh god, a, a director that may have taken things to the extreme on this particular set. Um, this particular set in particular, uh, 1980s, The Shining. Woo! Uh, I wasn't sure if you're going The Shining or The Birds there. Yeah, The Birds is, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yep. Um, I find no comfort in The Birds. The Birds is... A, <laughs> apocalyptic <laughs> that's not I, that has no comfort for me um fair uh the shining however just oozes aesthetic from start to finish um man takes his family uh to uh look after a hotel during the hotel's off season hotel just happens to be built on an Indian burial ground and he slowly but surely succumbs to what the old timers used to call cabin fever and starts to lose his mind and the ghosts and evil spirits there convince him to try and murder his family. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to be said about The Shining, uh, at least for my part, that has not already been said by a thousand mm -hmm. different people. Um, I can just say that I just rewatched it two or three nights ago now. And it was <clears throat> one of the very first films I thought about when putting together this list. It just kind of popped in my brain. Uh, I find The Shining to be an incredibly scary and unsettling film from start to finish. So it is does kind of fall in that same vein as I would say Evil Dead does for me, where it's and and uh, and another film that I'll I I will talk about later as far as like maybe uh some honorable mentions that we can get to, but um, while it, it's very scary, there there is a weird, I get a weird sense of comfort from The Shining. Um, again, maybe there's a cozy 
aspect to the Overlook Hotel. I don't know. But, I, think, um, I, I think the Overlook Hotel minus the Evil Spirits would be pretty cozy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like it there. They're like little apartment thing there. Like always mm-hmm. like looks super cozy to me. I fucking love the idea. And this does not look good because um, my name is Johnny. Uh, I have a wife and a You're son. a wife and a young boy. <laughs> and the idea of like being locked away in a hotel writing for like six months sounds terribly appealing to me. Dude, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Dude, peace and quiet, right? And all the time of the day, R&R, and just working on your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it sounds super duper rad to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, I fully agree. So, but at, at the same token, like, I also, like, get the, the, cabin fever aspect i think i might be able to do like that would be fun for like probably like a month tops sure but six months is pushing it but in the film he loses his mind it seems like he loses his mind a lot quicker than than like even the month mark but well evil spirits will do that to you yeah Yeah. um have you read the book Mm -hmm. which do you prefer the book yeah yeah i've heard uh, i've heard both you know I've, I've not read the book um i kind of want to i just know i know it's not as big as it but i i know it's yeah anytime you open up a stephen king book it's usually a it's an undertaking yeah for sure unless um, it's like harry that that shit was pretty quick right I'll, I'll, I'll give this one anecdote regarding the book. Um, I have had, I've had conversations with people who had, you know, done both and, and said, Oh, well, you know, I regard Stanley Kubrick much more highly than I regard Stephen King. And then I I'll be like, okay, well, what's better than the movie or the book? And they'll be like, um, they're not sure. So anyway, I think it's a book everyone should read. I will, uh, I'll, uh, Make a point, then. I got it. But on that same token, though, dude, like when a filmmaker like Stanley Kubrick is making a movie, you kind of want to let him do the movie that he feels like doing. You yeah. Know what I mean, um, and I, like I said, this is nothing new. The the issues that the two of them had, particularly Stephen King, in regard to the story that Kubrick wanted to tell, but mm-hmm. quite frankly, the story that kubrick told with right. the, the bare bones of stephen king's novel and an absolutely flawless performance by jack nicholson mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and shelly duvall is equally as impressive uh it is unfortunate all the things that yes. she has to endure yeah uh, but god it's just the Shining is one of those movies again that a lot of times I we don't really have the the actual like TV on anymore because we're always streaming stuff, but we still have like direct TV. We need to cancel that shit. We never watch it. Right. But back in the day, before you know, back when it was like mostly just like Netflix. You know, you had Netflix and then you had you know direct TV before streaming was 
what it is today. And this is only like, I don't know, I'd say like six or seven years ago, you know, um, the shining was always on the shining would always be on, on some sort of television thing, some way, shape or form. And I would always throw it on. It's just like, Oh dude, the shining's on. Didn't care what point of the film it was on. It was, it was going to be on and I was going to watch it or it was going to be a background watch. And I was going to tune in just because I love, like I said, very aesthetically pleasing to me. I could quote the shit out of that movie. Yeah. And it it might fall into that that thing that you were talking about before where like I've watched The Shining a lot. I've watched it quite a bit, but I also it it always feels at a distance to me. Maybe it's because I haven't read the book. Like I feel like there's there's <clears throat> some there's some gap between me and that film in a way that like a lot of these other films like feel very, very personal to me, but the shining I always feel like is always kind of at arm's length and I don't, I, I can't really explain it. Like, I don't know, man, it's, it's just a movie that I'm, I'm just so fascinated by. And um, yeah, like I would say it's a movie that I could easily, like I almost threw it on a, uh, a couple of nights ago when I was getting ready to go to sleep. And the only thing, the only thing that really fucking stopped me was I was like, dude, I guarantee that my dumbass will wake up exactly when the old woman is coming out of the bathtub. Like I mm-hmm. guarantee you. And then I'll be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Like that, that would be my, that would be my luck. So that was the only thing I was like, otherwise, like I, I feel like that's a movie I could easily, like fall asleep too. It's very uh, aesthetically pleasing to me. So, mm-hmm. I don't. I think that one. Uh, I think most of the audience is gonna pass on falling asleep to that one. But <laughs> <laughs> it is certainly a, a beautiful, aesthetically beautiful movie. Um, yeah, craftsmanship, craftsmanship on hand. Uh, oh. Kubrick was something. With a camera, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he was built differently, you know, yep. built different. Um, but a, another fun little thing about The Shining is that the the song that plays the you know old timey one, uh, uh, some uh, me, you, and the stars, or you, me, and the stars, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh that's the song that uh my wife and I had our had our first uh dance to when we got oh. married. So that anytime that's the shining is on and that song pops on just like the other night when my wife was in the kitchen, she always gives me a, a look and a smile and you know that's so you know uh personal in in a whole other in a whole other regard. But I like it. I digress. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what your all-time favorite comfort horror movie is? Um, I have I have a, a very brief aside about uh, The Shining. Oh, please. I uh, a mutual friend of ours had not seen uh, Stranger Things, and I text him and I said, "Hey, you gotta watch Stranger Things." This is back when it came out, and he said, "Okay, for sure. I'll let you know." 
And then he texts me back like 20 minutes later and says, well, they cast Shelly Duvall to play a 10-year-old boy, so that's brave. <laughs> Referring to Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> looking like Shelly Duvall <laughs> in the first season of Stranger Things. Not wrong. And, uh, huh? I said not wrong. It's seven years later, and I haven't stopped laughing. <laughs> so <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I think you know which friend I'm talking about. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, um, so my number one favorite comfort horror movie is also my favorite all-time horror comedy. Uh, it is an underrated movie, in my opinion. I think people in the horror community appreciate it. I think people in the horror community like it. I think the general film community and certainly the general audience has completely forgotten about it, and I think it it deserves more love. Um, and that is uh, 2012 uh, Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods, um, written and co-written and produced by Joss Whedon and... Uh, co-written and directed by Drew Goddard. Um, it is a horror comedy that is um, a love letter to the Cabin in the Woods horror film and also the entire genre of horror all at once. Um, and it is a funny movie. It's a smart movie. It's a scary movie. It's an exciting movie. Um. Uh, yeah, I think this movie's fucking awesome. I think it's super underrated. I think the only actor in the movie that anyone has heard of would be um, Chris Hemsworth, probably. Wait, who is he? He's uh, he he played uh this weird Viking character in a movie. Uh, it's funny. He looks kind of like you. Um, once or twice. <laughs> um, I, am, I I wish I could be so lucky. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, I, I've probably told you. I think his, I think his comedic acting style reminds me a little bit of yours. Have I told you that? No, no, no. I, I think you guys have a similar sort of comedic um, style in your in your acting. Hey. Uh, anyway, um, Chris Hemsworth at the time this came out. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. This movie came out in 2011, and he was nobody. Yeah. He was he was nobody yet. He had not made his name in yeah. in the movie industry yet, so he wasn't an A-lister. None of the other actors in the movie are are A-listers. You could argue some of them didn't even make it as actors, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really um, it's a really kind of under the radar movie, but um, it's very much a pastiche of of all of horror. Um, you you're on board with me this with this, right? You you know what I'm talking about. You've seen this movie. Uh, I love Cabin in the Woods. Okay. I like in my mind, probably because I'm so like ingrained in the horror world, horror uh-huh. world, excuse me, that I'm like, what do you mean? Like the world's forgotten about this. I I could never forget about this movie. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm like, you know, one little guy in a in a whole sea. Right. But like, at at the same token, like now that I think about it, like even like it doesn't like. It's not a movie that I see talked about a lot, uh, just in general. Every now and then it pops up, but it's also mm-hmm. like it did not. The thing with Cabin in the Woods that you have to understand is that it is a self-contained movie yes. based off of how the film ends. There's no 
real way for there to be a franchise from that movie. Hey, they talked about it, so I, I, I they, know they've they, kicked it around. So there, there was discussions, but just you know, as for what it is now, it it doesn't so much of today's movies and the, today's horror and blockbusters are all based around IP. So right. that's one of the reasons why it does feel like it probably got, you know, lost in the wind. Um, but it's like Scream. It, mm-hmm. it It's pointing at the horror genre going, right. we see you. And, right. you know, we're going to turn all of these things on top of their head. And it's so fucking cool. The When my wife and I went and saw it, we were just, like, floored, mm-hmm. like, by this movie. Because first half of the movie, like, they everyone was raving about it. And the first half of the movie, you're like, all right, cool. Like, it's fun. It's funny. It's, it's all this going on. And then you get to the last 25% of the picture, and you're like, and you're like, holy shit. This is the shit. Yep. Um, I can completely see like this being a comfort horror movie because it has like legitimate horror in it. Yep. It's also really fun and funny in mm-hmm. all these super great ways, but is just so it does not play it safe with its characters whatsoever. Everyone is uh dispensable. Yep. You know, um, and has one of my favorite fucking lines of all time in a movie. Uh, um, I can't think of the actor's name right now, and it fucking pisses me off because I love him and everything that he is in, and I know his name, and my brain is just so fucking foggy. I know his partner's Richard Jenkins. I can't think fucking name right now and it's gonna bother me but when they bring in the tequila and he's in the middle of like saying something he's like tequila is my lady no 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 hold on hold on the you're no okay yes one of the greatest lines in the history of film but check it out because the best part is that what he's saying up into that moment is so sincere and emotional there is a character who is in danger of dying and is really about to die. And he sits there and he very calmly and very sincerely, he goes, man, I almost, I almost wanted to win. Just look at her. Look at the, look at the bravery. Look at the, the fierceness, the humanity in this girl. She doesn't give up. She does Tequila is my later. Like he just he cuts like immediately from like this this perfectly like dramatic moment where he's like being so serious and sincere. Immediately, tequila is my later, my later. Just my favorite part of the movie, and I. It's beautiful, and also I love that guy too. And I actually, after thinking about saying Chris Hemsworth was the only actor in this movie, it got me thinking I was being disrespectful to him and uh, to Sigourney Weaver, who are both in this movie. Uh, Bradley Whitford. There Bradley you go. Whitford. There we go. Uh, I can yeah, he definitely is a, a big part of that movie. Uh, well, him and Richard Jenkins, his uh, yeah. 
his partner in crime, Richard Jenkins, fucking nominated for an Academy Award. Richard Jenkins is great. Um, in right, uh, like, have you seen Bone Tomahawk by any chance? Oh yeah, movie. Yeah, he's yeah. Bone Tomahawk. Um, fuck that me. movie is all fucked up. Dude, that's we're gonna have to talk about that movie one day. Yeah. I fucking love Bone Tomahawk. Uh, but uh, yeah, dude, great, great pick, great, mm-hmm. great movie. Um, yeah. Is that one that you? rewatch often or is it uh is it i i honestly haven't rewatched it in a minute yeah i um i watch it pretty often yeah yeah like it like probably like at least once a year but i mean i'd want i that's a movie i'll watch any day yeah like if you ever hit me up and you were like hey dude you want to come over and watch cabin in the woods i'd be like yes <laughs> hey dude there's also there's Cap- also what's that <laughs> i said hey dude you want to come over and watch cabin in the woods <laughs> yes so th- there's also one other aspect of this movie that i find interesting that some of the audience may not find as interesting but maybe they will um you know i'm a pretty big fan of uh buffy the vampire slayer yes which was a a horror tv show that was really big in the 90s and early 2000s it's a great show if you guys haven't seen it it's uh incredibly well written um classic show anyway so the director of this film is, was a writer on the later seasons of that show. And the co-writer and producer of this film was the creator and showrunner of that show. And this movie, if you have not seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, if those guys said, hey, by the way, that whole movie is canon to Buffy, it would fit. It would make sense. Like yeah. if they just said the words like, hey, that's actually canon, that would that would work. So if you're a fan of that show, that makes this movie kind of even more special because yeah. you can kind of headcanon it as a side adventure happening in, in sort of in that universe, in that world. Well, um, I hate to break it to Buffy, but uh, their, their whole planet is going to be destroyed by like <laughs> giant angry evil demon gods this is part of why i was telling you this is part of why i was telling you to chill is something that you learn in buffy is that about every six months there's an apocalypse and and someone finds a way to stop it so that yeah actually i uh just watched uh honest trailer uh for buffy the vampire slayer okay. and that was one of the things that they talked about is how yep like Every season, someone's trying to open up a portal to destroy the world, and they gotta stop it. Yep. <laughs> and it's and hey, and let me tell you, bro, it's fucking brilliant. A plus material. So anyway, that's that's a nice aside about Cabin in the Woods. But um, whether you're a fan of that stuff or not doesn't matter. This movie stands on its own as an excellent, uh, excellent piece of of. Uh, horror comedy and as like a love letter to the entire genre of horror in one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely one of my, one of my favorite horror movies ever. And and also one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, did you see it when it was in theaters or did you catch it after the fact? You know, I, I think I caught it after the fact. I think I watched it. I think I watched it in like late 2011 um at home yeah on that big projector tv 
I remember that TV. Watched yep. a lot of the movies on that TV. We certainly did. <laughs> uh speaking of good movies i guess uh i'll uh, bring us home here and um i don't know if this is gonna come <coughs> excuse me as any surprise to anybody who like really knows me and this is probably not be a surprise to you at all once i say what my number one comfort movie of all time just this this is my number one comfort movie period horror any other genre mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a movie that I will fall asleep to. It doesn't matter what time of day it's on. I will I will fucking put it on. If it's on TV, I'm watching it. Uh, I could have watched the last half of it the day before and then find myself going, you know what? I need to sit down and actually like watch the thing from start to finish like the very next day. Like I've done that. And it never loses its edge. It's always impactful. It's always so fucking good to me every time I watch it. And it's Jurassic Park. Oh, baby. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I. It's it perfect. It it's the perfect film. Um, yeah, you're damn right. It is. I I feel like maybe like people are like what the fuck not Jaws and the reason it's not Jaws is like there's a lot of things about Jaws that I I find very like it's very aesthetically pleasing to me but like start to finish Jaws scares me like mm-hmm. the minute the fucking Universal logo comes up and you just hear the sounds of the ocean I'm on edge the reason that (laughs) i'm infatuated with jaws is because it is like the scariest thing like outside of like apocalypse scenarios it is the thing that scares me to my core is this giant monster shark eating people so that aside that's why jaws is not a comfort horror movie in the way that Jurassic Park is. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, I saw when I was like four years old, um, which is kind of amazing given the the content, people being eaten by fucking monsters. But you know, my parents let me watch it, and um, I loved, I loved it. Um, I it's the probably the most aesthetically pleasing movie to me ever like the the colors like fucking alan grant's outfit uh <laughs> ellie sattler's outfit like it's just like pure 90s gold um talk about quoting a movie front to back um it, it's just so fucking cool uh it has the best score of any movie i i've ever watched ever yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. there there are a couple movies that get close and they're 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 john williams movies but no movie quite transports me all i have to do is hear the theme to jurassic park and i'm at jurassic park like i could be in 
my garage listening to it. I could be on an airplane listening to it. And I, as soon as I hear that theme, I'm like on the fucking helicopter. Yeah. John Hammond sitting next to me going, there it is. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a picture that like transports me to that world every single time. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just perfect. It's just 10 out of 10 for me. And it, it's just so comforting. I don't know. How do you feel about Jurassic Park? (laughs) Jurassic Park is like, I mean, in a world where like movies are very like varied and there's different kinds of movies and different reasons to watch them and things like that. I mean, I think you could argue that Jurassic Park is the greatest movie ever made. I, I certainly think you could argue it's the greatest blockbuster movie ever made. Yeah. Um, it's it's like even of my list, like I've got a long list of perfect movies. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got a lot of movies that are, are more or less 10 out of 10 movies for me. But even on that list, like Jurassic Park is very high. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the coalescence of so many things. Um, you have a um, a novelist who was a very good at writing sort of the blockbuster movie version of fiction. Yeah. And you have an excellent fucking screenwriter working with him and you have go. Sorry, buddy. My dog is being defiant. Um, You have the greatest filmmaker of all time at the peak of his powers. Yeah. And you have the greatest movie composer of all time at the peak of his powers. And you have the most, guys, you have the most interesting um, subject matter that anyone could fucking think of at the time. Um, yeah. And you have a perfect moment in history when VFX were moving from one thing to another thing. And they were still afraid of leaning too heavily on bad CGI. <clears throat> so they were very, very, very careful. And they really respected the material in the audience and they did everything they could to blend practical effects with um, <clears throat> what we now consider modern VFX. Um, and it all is just a, it's lightning in a bottle. It's a perfect storm. It's not the kind of thing that you can replicate. You know what I mean? You can try, um, but it's, it's the kind of movie, like every time a movie producer like gets a movie green lit, they want to make something like Jurassic Park. Yeah. And most people never do it in their whole fucking lives. You know what I mean? It's it's um just a really special thing. And um obviously, you know, everything from like the tension, the terror. I was dude, that movie okay, so I saw that movie in theaters. I've talked about this. And it was basically a really religious experience for me. The the way that I love movies probably has a lot to do with being a little uh boy sitting in a movie theater and watching Jurassic Park. It changed me. It changed me. It was a spiritual experience. It was a religious experience. It was like, oh, okay, the universe is now different. I have different priorities now yeah. um, because of this movie. And, like, those velociraptors scared the hell out of me. And that Tyrannosaurus Rex scared the hell out of me. It was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen. And I was not a, a super tough little boy. Like, I was real scared. And I would have watched the movie again right away if you had if you had put it back on. Yeah. Um, despite how terrifying it was because it was fucking riveting yeah yeah 
I love Jurassic Park. <laughs> Dude, like you, you took all the words out of my mouth. Like same, same thing. I remember like when I was little, we, our bed was like, it was twice. Like before my sister was born, I had a bed that was like next to two windows. Mm-hmm. And I was always, always afraid that T-Rex was going <laughs> to put his head right in front of my window. That's right. I thought about that every night before going to bed. And then he's coming to get you. Born and and uh, I was, you know, bunking with my brother and in the room next door, there's <laughs> like another window. And I was still always expecting that T-Rex to, to pop his head down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, I agree. It is. I've, I've talked to you about this before specifically i do think jaws is my favorite movie of all time mm-hmm. Jurassic park is my close very very close second um mm-hmm. and i think jurassic park is the epitome of filmmaking like i think yeah. it is the best movie ever made yeah um for what what movies for what it is for what we go to the movies for which is Mm -hmm. a fun time yeah it um checks all the boxes it does everything that like like i said it's like you said it's spielberg at his spielbergianness you know and that's that's where filmmaking peaks. There's yep. there are plenty of highs on the way down, and there are plenty of highs <laughs> on the way up. But like, it's here, and so far nothing nothing has been as good. Able to eclipse that, yeah. In in that, like, this is why we go to the movies. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that's that's Jurassic Park. So that's that's the one for me. Um, so I'm glad that, uh, you feel, uh, at least very similar <laughs> no, <I do. laughs> to how, how special that is. So no, I, I, I hundred percent. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, did you have any, uh, honorable mentions you wanted to throw out there? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the aforementioned, um, the birds, birds. Yeah, I don't know. I really like that movie. Um, I think it might be comforting to me, though, because I, I liked it a lot as a kid. Like, You just like birds? No, I just like that movie. <laughs> I don't have any interest in, in uh, bird watching, but um, for some reason I liked it a lot as a kid, and I still like that movie a lot. I think it's – I mean, I think it's a masterwork. It's like yeah. – I think I think of Jaws very much as like a spiritual successor to, to the birds. I can see um, Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I really love the birds. Um, the exorcist, which I know is not, is like, it is like a challenging movie, but for me that that's a comfort movie. Jaws, uh, is a comfort movie. Um, alien, um, the thing, uh, all movies that I find absolutely horrifying. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. But I mean, you know, I like when I like horrifying movies can be comforting to me when, when, you know, that's no, what I, I'm after. I, I mean, my, my 
uh, honorable mentions or like like I said, Evil Dead and uh -huh. the one that I had on my list, but I replaced with Scream was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So oh, okay, okay. Uh, which a lot of people consider that to be like a, a lot of lists. People have Texas Chainsaw Massacre as like the scariest movie of all time, and I'm like, mm -hmm. it's pretty fucking wild. But I I don't know, like I it's 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 definitely it's definitely very scary in a very like oppressive way. Yeah. For me, that's that's in every way like the opposite of a um, comfort movie. That's the that's like if I was looking for a reason to to jump off of a bridge, <laughs> I'd watch that movie. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> humanity is the worst. Right. Uh, it, it's kind of a weird thing that it kind of like solidified itself as a comfort horror movie. I ended up getting like really really sick, and I had to call out of work, uh, which I never do. Uh, turns out. I didn't know it at the time, but turned out I had COVID. Right. Um, you <laughs> know, I was just so like, I couldn't even fucking stand. I was so, <clears throat> so sick. And so I was essentially bedridden for the day. And um, I think there was a, a time in my life where I could sit down and just watch movies all day and not have a problem with it. I do not feel that way now. Um, I, I miss that. I, I, yeah, I, I very I think much, about that. I, I, I miss that period of my life, at least the, the acceptance that there were the idea that that was okay. Yeah. Um, I could do that now if I like, I can do it now. There's no real reason I can't except right. never ending drive of like, I have to be productive. Like I have to work out. I have to do chores. I have to write i have to film i have to edit like all yeah. of those things so the drive of, of being an adult yeah yeah um have to be a parent you know right uh but that specific day like there was there was nothing that i could do i had to lay in bed all day so i watched a bunch of horror related content some new stuff some old stuff but the first movie i put on when I was like, all right, cool, I'm, I'm home for the day, was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it brought comfort to me because I was feeling like shit. And I just watched this absolute mania of insanity play out on screen. I mean, I had already seen the movie before, but it was like, oh, well, I feel terrible. But Sally, Sally's getting it worse than, than I am right now. So, yep. and then, yeah, anyways weird how like certain things can just hit you different in a in a different you know vibe a different point in your life you know mm -hmm. yeah for sure i um i don't love that movie i um i respect the uh craft on hand yeah and um and the performances but yeah, I, that that is not a that is not a Kalen favorite in the realm of horror. It is a those those chainsaw movies are. I really like uh, the the remake. I know a lot of like horror purists mm -hmm. uh, consider that a crime, but yeah, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is the very first through and through horror movie I ever right. saw. Uh, right, right. That's right. I remember that. It still uh, is very uh, disturbing to me. 
um, as is the original, but it's just a different kind of disturbing. But yeah, uh, like I said, <clears throat> that's the thing about comfort horror, baby. To each their own. Each their own. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, that was fun, man. That was uh, I really enjoyed being able to 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 do this. This is kind of something that I've been uh, <clears throat> wanting to wanting to try out. So. Um, yeah, I'll probably uh, end up doing another one of these, probably with a, a different uh, uh, person on the other side, because otherwise we'd just be rehashing the same bullshit. But yeah, um, any movies uh, on the up and coming that you are excited for, horror and or otherwise? Not, not like super excited for right now, to be totally honest with you. Um, the uh, um, the Iron Claw is the only one like coming up soon, soon that I'm really pretty pumped about. <clears throat> oh yeah, um, good. Huh? I said that looks good. Yeah, yeah, it does. It looks good. Um, I'm excited for Rebel Moon. Um, I don't know if it's actually going to be good or not, but it looks fun. Zack Snyder, you know, could go either way. Right. I but, had but it could a, be fun. A lot of high hopes for Army of the Dead, and that movie was just not nearly as much fun as it looked. Right. Well, that's 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 kind of the thing about about um, going into his movies is is I know that I don't know what I know to expect the unexpected. Right. Like I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, the trailer looked good. Yeah. And it looks uh, like fun, so I'm just I'm just hoping you know for it to be a fun movie. I'm not like super pumped. I don't think it'll be my favorite movie of the year or anything. But uh, hey, you know, go in with low expectations, and you know what, you could be pleasantly surprised. That's I, right. had, I had a couple of movies like that uh, this year. Um, one of them that we, I feel like we can we can touch on this a little bit. Uh, wasn't like I was pleasantly surprised, but I went in with super low expectations, and I feel like I was significantly less disappointed than everybody else, which was the exorcist movie. Oh, I, I, I liked it. I think it's, it was a fine movie. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I don't think it's deserving of whatever, like 20% on rotten tomatoes. It has no. like, no, 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 no. I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not the exorcist. Right. But, but nothing is certainly not a, it's not a bad movie. It's very well crafted film and a well told story with fine performances in it. You know, you said this and I think you nailed it. You said if the exorcist, what is it called? The, the believer. Yeah. You said if the exorcist, the believer did not have the exorcist IP and had been produced by a 24, it would have a significantly higher, critical rating yeah. and i think you're on the fucking money i think it would have been a 75 percent rt score type of movie if it had just been called you know the exorcism of two girls in a small town yeah and and it was by a24 and david gordon green with the new movie non-ip yeah. i think it would have gotten pretty pretty well reviewed um because it just it just is not it's just not a bad movie like i don't know yeah. like i don't i mean i yeah. i said this in my review which was like the 
the only thing that I rolled my eyes over in the entire film was the exorcist related content. I'm like, yeah, dude, take that out. Right. You have a perfectly good film there. That's right. interesting. Yeah, you got a good a, little flick here with a gut punch ending. Like mm-hmm. the stuff that the Chris McNeil stuff does nothing. Right. It does nothing for the the story getting from point A to point B. It does not need to be there. And it's like, guys, if you were going to do this, you really needed to to do it and make it tie in together better. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. That's just, you know, my I I think I think people hated on that movie way, way too much. And I was like, no, it's true. Like <laughs> A, why did you like have any expectations that it was going to be good? Just think it's going to be shit, and you know, you'd be a lot better off. Yeah, I think it was one of those situations where people made up their mind to dislike it. Group think herd mentality. Yeah. Um, on the slightly further horizon, I I am um constantly thinking about and obsessed with um robert eggers nosferatu yeah and um uh guillermo del toro's frankenstein those are those are on my mind a lot yeah that uh i think you you mentioned both of those last time you were on um oh did i (laughs) i'm repeating myself now no no i i repeat the question because i feel like i'm that's my question that i ask everyone who i have on but at this stage in the game you're on more than anybody else so right <laughs> right well there's just there's nothing super interesting coming up uh soon you know i uh i think i told you this probably before um we have that that thanksgiving slasher and i think mm-hmm. we're having like honestly i think we're in kind of like a uh slasher renaissance right now like maybe that really um makings of one because scream the scream franchise has been uh oh, yeah. popping uh um, yeah it's hot and, uh and you have terrifier and terrifiers like like a big deal and they hate the the fucking third one coming out next year and it's at christmas time i am just so fucking excited for that um you have this this thanksgiving movie that uh as of right now it's it has pretty uh decent uh rotten tomatoes rating so that's that's pretty exciting at a time like 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 terrifier 2 has something insane like 80 or 90 percent on rotten tomatoes you're like what are you talking about like critics like this movie like what are we talking about this (laughs) this would have been like talked shit about by like siskel and ebert back in the 80s like better believe it yeah um so I, I do feel like we're having this little bit of a, a slasher renaissance, uh, which is exciting because I was really trying to like, uh, one of my buddies uh, that um, I have on here, Albert, like he, his, his favorite like genre of horror is subgenre of horror is like monster movies. And he's, and he said like, he doesn't really get into to slashers too much. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like back. I was like, well, I like watch all horror. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no like, oh, I don't, I don't dick around with that subgenre. I watch it all, but I'm sorry that my dog is debuting right now. All right, my, I'm actually kind of surprised my kid hasn't made an appearance. Um, um, uh, 
but like i was really thinking about it. i was like dude i think like slasher movies are like some of my favorites i just have so sure. much with them uh good or bad they're just they're yeah last so yeah pretty excited about that i'll uh we'll see uh how this uh this thanksgiving movie turns out like i said this episode will be premiering after i've already reviewed it so we're yeah there you go doing a little bit of the audience already knows here uh anywho well uh thank you so much kalen for uh uh helping me out on this episode always Uh, my co-host and uh um are you working on any writing these days? Anything uh, in the works or are you just kind of got a little something going on? Yeah. Yeah. Happy to hear that. Um, well, for now, uh, it's going to be Christmas time by the time this uh, episode uh, drops. So yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays and uh, Have a good holiday season. We will, uh, be seeing you motherfuckers on the flip side. Adios, muchachos. Peace.